I had um, the opportunity to speak with Nora Husari, who works with Snow Change Cooperative, and her focus is um, toward preservation and enhancement of uh, biodiversity as well as cultural heritage with a very um, laser focus on small-scale fisheries. So her interests are in community-based governance, in traditional ecological knowledge, and food systems transformation. She finds that the key solutions to the increasing environmental crisis lie in the local level and within indigenous and local traditional communities. Like what you will hear about is a lake called, let me see if I can pronounce it correctly, Puruvesi. This is where, um, this is what this entire episode is focused on, the Puruvesi winter seining traditional practice. And this lake is very unique because it has its own endemic species. All right, so now let's move into this conversation with Nora Husari, who works with Snow Change Cooperative. This first question that I wanted to know, and actually I was curious, I wanted to ask you last time when we met, like what got you interested in um, Snow Change Cooperative? Like what was your journey that led you to Snow Change Cooperative? Well, um, yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Well, I guess the key is that I find that indigenous and local traditional cultures and ways of life are key to solving or um, mitigating and adapting to the enormous challenges. And there are not too many NGOs that address that here in Finland. And then I was thinking about my um, master thesis topic, and then um, I decided to write Tero and ask if he wanted to, or Tero Mustonen, like the head of Snow Change, um, if he wanted to guide the work, uh, the thesis work, and then he, then I got to know him, and then um, that's when, that's how, like, I got involved with Snow Change, and now I've been working with uh, with them for almost two years. So uh, so you, literally, this is during COVID time, right? The struggle with COVID. Yes, yes, oh, yes. Man. Okay. And how was it then? Because you, did you have, were you able to visit the site, or did you have to work remotely at first? How did that go about? Luckily, because we here live here in Eastern Finland, which is quite remote, the COVID situation and the restrictions weren't as bad as as in the world in general. So we were able to, I was able to um, visit sites and meet in person and kind of like actually get to know the people in, in person despite COVID. The reason I asked you this question is because like I'm coming from India. So I just wanted the people to actually understand the context when they say how populated certain places are, right? Like the population density in India is like huge. But coming to this uh, this thing, right, about the winter, I, I was reading on your website this thing about traditional fishing, sustainable fishing. And I remember the last conversation that we had about uh, sustainable fishing and the local communities that are doing these things. I wanted to understand more about this um, tradition that is there in Eastern Finland about sane fishing, I believe. As a background context, on the most grass- grassroots level, Snow Change is a fishing cooperative. And that is what, um, that is because fishing is one of the few remaining elements of kind of like the Finnish traditional culture where nature and people still interact in ways that are sustainable and that kind of like um, like a nature-based culture and livelihoods and actually like the most like the oldest fishing net in the world has been found in eastern Finland and and that dates back to more than 10,000 years ago oh wow (laughs) very very old tradition and that and and fishing is a way of 
how how Finnish Finnish people have communicated with the rest of the universe. But the seine fishing is one specific type of fishing that takes place on the ice and on the lake Puruvesi, which is like one of the most pristine lakes that we have in Finland, very clear waters. The seine fishing has been going on since the 1300s, or that is from where the written written records have been found um, and it's still an ongoing practice so unbroken from uh, for at least 700 years so Nora spoke about this way this winter sailing practice which is a traditional and unique practice that takes place on the ice and it's on this pristine lake called Lake Puruvesi. So Snow Change um, Cooperative has uh, two short documentaries on their webpage called snowchangevisualhistories.org. Um, and I will put this in the show notes, the link, so you could actually see these documentaries. It actually captured the life of the Finnish fishermen performing this under ice net fishing, this unique practice that they have going since 1300. But that's special about Puruvesi. And I think it also has a connection with the Saima ringed seal. That is that rare freshwater seal species that people see, right? The images that come up. I think it will start coming up about in April or something. Maybe the photos are already up there. But uh, that particular seal had returned to Lake Puruvesi. And I think that's what makes this entire lake very special. And it has a certain endemic species. Uh, a, a particular fish that's found only in Lake Puruvesi and you will hear about that um, during this conversation with Nora Husari. And let's go back and listen to that conversation now. And until the 1950s or 60s, it was practiced in a very traditional way, like all done by hands uh, with just a little bit of help from horses. And why Snow Change is having our own Sailing crew is that, as is the case with like all small scale fishery in the world, is that there are not enough young people who keep the pre- um, the traditional practice alive. Mm. So there is this, there has been this program called Master Apprentice, where like an old fisherman has been training a young fisherman who is then keeping the tradition alive, and then that young fisherman has been training. A young fisherwoman. So now there's kind of a, a team of, of two young fishermen and fisherwomen who are now leading our our fishery here. Okay, Letty is cutting in again, um, just to put in a snippet. And um, the two people you see uh, in the cover art of this particular episode are um, Carolina and Lauri. These are the fisher people that uh, Nora was talking about, right? This master apprenticeship program where one trains the other. Um, on the traditional practices and those are the two images we got from uh, Snow Change Cooperative and that's part of the cover art. Let's go back again to listen to the rest of the conversation. So there are just like a few individuals in Finland, young people who who are practicing fishing as a profession. Of course then Many young Finnish people have fishing as a hobby, but then that is a different type of fishing and and you mainly do it in the summer and just kind of once in a while and just for fun and not as 
something that has like moved from one generation to another for for hundreds of years and in a way that you're able to make a living out of it or feed your entire family or village from it um and the way like kind of the incentive that snow change has decided to to do is that we pay a monthly salary to our our fisher fisher people so that they would choose that as their profession because without that it's almost impossible to make a decent living with fishery in Finland. I think I can totally relate to that because I remember in back in Goa uh, we have this coconut plantation right so you had coconut pluckers and yeah. um, to incentivize them the only way was to actually start to pay them because there was no money to be had and yeah. with all the things that are mechanized that practice kind of loses along the way and i know people ask you like so what if it's lost just like like, like how languages die right there is a question still about maintaining your heritage yes it's okay to look the other way and say so what if it's lost but there is a lot of uh, history and a historical uh, connection i feel with the environment for me at least i saw that heritage practice that we incentivized at least i didn't do it as in the organization that was doing it in goa the way they messaged it is that um, it's our way of stewardship towards the environment because it's a very low impact and less harmful way but at the same time they wanted to incentivize the youngsters who weren't interested in doing this coconut plantation plucking basically so i do see the challenge there but i wanted to understand then how do you like today that business it's it's still a small scale business but how do you operate that business where do you sell how do you market that the, the the fish that you get also how is it sustainable and you ensure that the whole lot that you've caught right is actually sold out yeah yeah so that is one of the <laughs> challenges that we are trying to to solve um but anyway so so we try to focus on direct um sales to consumers and we have a few channels that we use um a mailing list um with people who are interested in in buying fresh fish so then i always send them a mail every time that i get a text message from the from the sailing crew from the who are operating on the ice they let me know how much fish approximately they caught and then then i send a mail and then the people respond how much fish they would like to buy and then they come and pick it up from a pickup location and then there is a facebook group of this local foods market that takes place uh, every two weeks um where people write on on the facebook wall what produce there is to offer and then the people order online and then they come and pick up what they have ordered but that is also a challenge because we don't know in advance how much fish catching and then there is one partner business is, business sounds bigger than it is but but this this guy who is hosting tourists here um on the shore of the lake so he makes like these small cans of fish so he every week he comes in and picks up like several like 80 kilos which is already like a very um good amount of fish 80 kilos is what is it so what's the total catch like like how many kilos are we talking about um so normally with winter sailing we talk about between 50 kilos and 500 kilos i think that the average catch this season was 
250 kilos or something like that. And uh, the team is on the ice once a week. Or has okay, that was my next question. Yeah, what's the frequency yeah. like? Okay, once a week. In addition to this email listing and selling it to this person who cans the fish, the, the organization also has started freezing a good chunk of the catch um, so that it doesn't go bad. And sometimes it's hard to sell the entire 250-500 kilos, right? So they kind of started freezing a lot of that catch. There is a mention of a special fish and uh, I didn't want to keep the surprise like going for so long. But the fish is usually the, the special fish from the Puruvesi Lake and it's the white fish called the Wendis. It's also called Muikku and I recently tasted it but I don't know if it's from the Lake Puruvesi but uh, it's a rather delicious fish uh, called the Wendis. A couple of things that I wanted you to know about this fish, which is primarily the main catch from this Puruvesi lake that we're talking about, and we will hear more about it uh, during this conversation. But just some things that I read up about this Vendis that makes it interesting, which ties back to this whole thing of why this lake Puruvesi is so special. Okay, so this fish is called Puruvedin. Muikku, like I said, right, this, this water is extremely clear as compared to, which is not typical to Finnish lakes. Uh, and what happens is because of that large um, visibility, right? So due to that, you'll get a large amount of sunlight coming in and the vitamin D content in in this Puruvesi Vendis is higher than anything else that you get in the darker waters. So if you get um, the Muikku, like I get the Muikku from my local shopping area, but this Puruvedin Muikku is very uh, endemic to this Puruvesi lake and it's also gotten registered um, under the protected designations of origin, like, a, like when people say, right, made in a certain area, so found in a certain area. So it's very specific to the Puruvesi lake and that's why this particular Puruvedin Muikku has got its registration as protected designations of origin. The origin being um, the geographical indication being your Puruvesi uh, lake, which is close to, I think, which is part of, I'm in Pohyoi Savo. I'm in northern Savo. So this is my southern Savo. Pretty close to the town called Savon Linna. Puruvesi is located um, to the east of this Savon Linna town. And that's near this Kesalahati area. It's the municipality area. And I think that's what I wanted to tell you about this Vendis, also called the whitefish. Or if it's coming from the Lake Puruvesi with its crystal clear waters, it's Puruvedin Muikku. And it's a delicacy in Finland. It's a lovely, tiny um, fried fish. We have something similar in India. Although I've tasted both and I think maybe it's the way they make it here. Uh, it's not as spicy like the way we make it in, in Goa. We have something called as um, illio. <laughs> illio is if um, if you have illio or mandli, um, those kind of white fish also are pretty similar in taste to this uh, muikku. Now let's continue before I digress way too much and this episode goes too long. All right, let's go back. Yeah. And, and how are the conditions for them today, considering all the changes that we're seeing around, right? Uh, the team going out there, what? how do they figure out that the ice is safe for them? Yeah, so there are ways um, of checking. There are several tools, uh, like this big ice pick that you use for like, you make a hole on the ice and then you check how much ice is there. But always you need to know the places, if there are, there are certain places where there might be like a hole or like a, the ice has 
broken, mm. but those you mark with, um, you put like a tree branch there. So then you know that, okay, here, here is a, a place where you need to be more careful. Oh, and that actually requires uh, the actual knowledge of the elders then, I believe. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the knowledge of the elders plays an essential role in, in the same fishing practice because you actually have to know where to catch the fish. If we have a, um, a gigantic lake of just ice cover, how do you know where you actually make the hole and do the and, and uh, make the seine go under the ice? Um, so that is where uh, the knowledge from the elders is crucial because you also have to know the formations of the ice so that the same net doesn't break yes. or that there are no rocks underneath. And it's like a very, very detailed um, practice and knowledge. Also, is there a, like, um, is there a particular kind of fish that they go after? Like, or is your catch like a mixed variety of, like what exactly are the types of fish that you catch? Yeah, so the primary primary catch of winter seining is this fish species called Bendis muiku in Finnish. Muiku, okay. Yes, and it's a specific type of muiku in this lake, Puruvesi. We call it Puruveden muiku. Um, geographical indication, kind of a specific label from the European Union saying that this type of fish you cannot find anywhere else in the world but oh, okay only in this yes. lake okay endemic to that particular oh, wow. yes. okay yeah because the lake um is so special in its conditions because of the clarity of the water and the like the clean and clear waters and is that the only kind of fish i'm trying the reason i was thinking asking this question is because i'm trying to understand the market for it so a lot of people who buy from you from you through the mailing list through facebook group are they particularly looking for this? Um, yeah, that's the thing, because people like this muikku fish, but they then in, um, at some part of the winter, I think that they kind of get bored of eating that fish. So they are also <laughs> kind of want something else and then kind of the market gets stuck at some points. Um, but yeah, there are some other fish species too that the same catches, but just very small quantities. Um, this Ahven uh, pike perch. No, I'm sorry. Perch. Perchin. Perch. And what do you call it? Perchin. Ahven. Ahven. Okay. And then Sika uh, whitefish. Okay. I think that I saw in my market. Sika. Yes. Yeah. And the, and the Sika is mainly cultivated in... The seagull that you see in the markets is, is mostly not wild fish, but actually like from aquaculture, like fish farming. Oh, okay, so fish farming. So the, those are those mechanized industrial uh, operations that actually sell it. So, so what I get in my Finnish local store actually is not from Finland. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm not 100% sure um, if that specific store is offering wild or, or cultivated um, white fish or fish in general, but but if you go, for example, to a restaurant and and they have seafood on the menu, it's ninety percent of the times it would be from a fish farm. And also, if you go um, to any market in Finland, like any supermarket or store, um, 
and you would mostly see salmon, which comes from Norway. That is actually my challenge now. Uh, the reason is whenever when I came here, I moved to Savo, like I moved from Helsinki to Kuopio, uh, yeah. to this Pohioi. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Pohioi Savo. Yeah, very good. Yes. <laughs> so I, I came here and I was told, I was given the Savo cooking book, which is all about fish. But when I go to the local supermarket, I literally cannot find the local fish. And that's kind of bothering me now. I'm like, I hear about all the fish that is locally produced. But like, where is it? Like the market only supposedly sells. I do see Noria, like Nor- 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 Norway everywhere on the tags. Yeah. But where is the local fish? Like, where are we selling those? Exactly. That is the... That is like the challenge because it's partly because, well, because the salmon farms in Norway are able to produce fish cheaply and intent and um, effectively. So the price is low and the store and it's easy to for the stores to just order it from them because they are able to produce like a steady, a steady amount yeah. of fish. So they can meet that, yeah. They can give that demand at a consistent rate, I guess, because exactly, it's exactly. mechanized. Okay. Yeah, and then and that is also what the Finnish people today like and what they want to have because it tastes good to them and it's easy to cook because it's ready filleted and it's not too expensive and and I don't know, it's easy. It doesn't even look like a fish. Um, <laughs> True. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, because then and then there are less fishermen who are fishing professionally, and then the like the chain of of how to bring fresh fish from the lake to the customer. There's always the like the challenging chain. How long is it gonna stay in the in the supermarket shelf? I guess what you're saying is right. Yeah, the supply chain is kind of broken, maybe. But I, I did. I was wondering, like, if there are people like me, like people who actually want to get local stuff, um, how, how, what would you recommend? Like, what can I do today to support? If I want to just have local stuff and local fish, where should I go? What can I do? Yeah, I would recommend um, if you, you or the person um, uses Facebook to find the closest record, R E. KO group where the local producers sell their stuff bi-weekly hmm. um, or then I know in Kuopio there is also this other um, website where you don't need Facebook oh, Facebook. I think. so I think that the best ways to support local producers is to buy directly from from these networks, these alternative networks. Um, and do they exist across Finland? Like if my colleagues in Helsinki want to buy, is there yes. a, an equivalent? Okay. Yeah, so Helsinki has a, a huge variety of, of different channels where you can um, where you can find local foods. There are these um, um, community-supported agriculture um, food cooperatives such as Omama or um, Hertoniemen, Ruokaususkunta or Kaupunkilaisen Oma Pelto um, that you can join. Or then there is this ekompi.net, Uudenmaaruoka, or this reko. So there were a bunch of Finnish words which were difficult to pronounce there. Uh, and yes, most of the sites are um, 
in Finnish. I mean, we have Google Translate, so that's not a problem. But I will put all those sites in the show notes. Um, a couple of things that she said, ecompi.net. This is in um, the Helsinki Uusima area, in Kuopio, in Turku, and in a place called Kemi... Oh, God, I don't want to pronounce it. <laughs> uh, so, so in a place that is somewhere called Kemi... Onsari. So, so that ecompi.net is probably the most prominent one. And then she mentioned Oma Pistefi, which is literally my land. Piste means um, dot and fi is fi. And then she mentioned Oma Pelto, which means my field. So Oma Pelto Pistefi. I think these are the main ones. And then there is the Reko. R-E-K-O, Facebook groups. Uh, If you are into Facebook, so I am not, so whoever uses Facebook can probably go to those groups. Um, And I'll put all of those links in the show notes because it's a little difficult to to understand what what those words mean. (laughs) Anyways, moving back to the conversation. Wow, this is, yeah, this is definitely handy. I think this would at least help us, because I think for us, most of the challenge for me, people like me is like, where do I actually look for that? Like, where do you find the local stuff? How do you even start to support local businesses, local organizations? Also, I think I am a little curious in the sense that is is a type of fish uh, an attractive conversation for people? Is there an actual fascination for salmon or is it just that it's convenient? That's why salmon has Mm -hmm. shot up in the market. I think it's just a habit that people have learned and something that how they see and how they value fish. Because um, back in the day when Finland used to have healthy salmon stocks our rivers um, before hydropower kind of destroyed our fish stocks um, we used to have healthy salmon rivers so people would um, catch wild salmon in our rivers and then that has been a very valued fish and i think it might stem from there that we we value salmon but then we don't see kind of the difference between a farm salmon and a wild salmon. Um, and I mean, the different difference for environmental perspective or the social perspective. Mm. And then there are these certain fish species that people have learned in a weird way to call trash fish. Oh, okay. <laughs> and what are those? They are, well, for example, bream or sargin. Finish. I'm not sure what the name is in uh, roach. That are fish species that have quite a lot of bones. <laughs> you literally have to be a fish lover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you need to like, you need more effort to to eat it because you need to remove more effort to remove the bones. But the taste of the fish is very good. Like I personally like dream a lot i totally get you because i'm coming from the same example like my mom literally used to call me a cat because i would take so much of effort like i would literally sit with the fish clean it up fry it and then eat it and she's like man you're a cat (laughs) wow (laughs) so yeah i totally understand that experience i see these fish already in the packet right i'm like oh man that completely spoils the whole experience of having fish yeah yeah i know (laughs) and then that also like it kind of takes people further from, from from the origin of the food if you don't actually see that it's a fish and, and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to like clean it or prepare it, but you just buy like a a, um, a fillet wrapped in plastic and then you just, just fry it. So I think that is also something crucial 
for like the relationships that people have with nature is that you actually would see or you would be catching the fish or seeing where the fish comes from and knowing how it's been caught and then actually preparing pre preparing it from a fish. I, I totally get that because I remember growing up, the experience I had moving with this fishing community we still live in, uh, just the, the whole concept of stewardship, right? It comes up, it kind of evokes naturally in you if you start going to the source of the supply chain. Because exactly. then you actually see the fish flowing, then you pick it up and you have this respect for that food that is going to be in, like you're going to ingest it, but you literally have respect for it because you've seen it alive while it was flowing in water. I, I totally understand what you're coming, where you're coming from, because I remember those stories when I was growing up were pretty much similar, looking at the whole fish. And here I find it very hard because I'm trying to reduce my consumption of plastic and everything is in plastic. And I'm like, oh, man, now the fish is also like something I can't identify. And it's in a plastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yes. And and then if uh, if a specific tradition is lost, we don't know what it means, actually. If we lose all the knowledge and if we lose all the practices and if we don't know how to how to fish anymore, what does it mean for, for the food, uh, food security? What does it mean for our relationships as humans to to the rest of the to nature um i think that it's um it's too crucial to be lost yes and i think that question about food security is something that you've hit right you know you've hit home with that point because i think even last week i interviewed somebody in canada a professor in the yukon and mm -hmm. he mentioned the same thing about the uh, vantat gachwin i think the tribe, yeah. uh, the indigenous people, the First Nation in Vantat Kachwin in, uh, in the Yukon, they had the same issue. Their entire fishing area, the lake got drained because of permafrost thawing, mm. and they lost their fishing practice, which was like quite an old extensive practice. And he explained something similar about the food security. Like we talk about all this food security outside, but at the root level, at the grassroots level, this is what it really means. So if we bring back these two stories and reconnect people, perhaps people will try to see the connection about what we talk about on social media about food security versus the actual practice on what it takes to ensure that security. Yes, definitely. Um, and, and in the context here, most people don't actually know anything, for example, about the winter, winter saining. The practice or they don't know that the ice cover because of climate change the ice cover has reduced so much that the period has that you are able to practice fishing has reduced by almost 50 percent so i don't know how much how much more it has to reduce so that the practice wouldn't so that we're not able to practice it anymore and lose the whole whole ice fishing culture um but yeah coming to the reconnecting i think it would be crucially important that people would go out to nature fish or you don't have to fish necessarily but practice other things and just be out in the nature and observe what there is I think I, I do want to follow the story because when you mentioned people don't know, I am one of those people definitely who don't know this winter traditional saying fishing practice. Uh, that is a story definitely when I collaborate with you guys, 
uh, I mean, obviously now the summer will come in, but when we start doing that over the months, I think I do want to follow that story and bring that story to life about what it really entails. How does that story look like? What is going on and how can we do our bit and get reconnected? This is quite, quite interesting. Oh, man. Uh, I, I just wanted to say thank you, but I wanted to ask you one question. If um, if there was one key message that you wanted uh, somebody to take away from this uh, conversation that we had, right? What is it that you would say? And you're free to say it in Finnish because I would really like it if you say it in Finnish too. <laughs> I can translate it in English afterwards. <laughs> After you tell me the translation. <laughs> Um, so do you pre- would you prefer me to say it in Finnish or English? Yes, ma'am. I would prefer you to say it in English. Okay. <laughs> say it in um, both. Okay. <laughs> And I'll shut up, sorry. <laughs> Sen myötä, kun suomalainen kulttuuri ja elinkeinot on harpannut aika lyhyessäkin ajassa kauas semmoisista ei-tuhoavista tavoista elää luonnon kanssa, niin samalla on myös kalastajien ja eri kalalajien kokema arvostus lasken huomattavasti. Ja tämä on... Kolaus niin luontoon pohjaavien elinkeinojen, kulttuuriperinnön, vesistötiedon ja ruokaturvan kannalta. Ja myös osaltaan vesistöjen rehevöitymisen kannalta, kun esimerkiksi arkikaloja on vesistöissä niin runsaasti niiden alaisen pyynnin takia. Mutta paras yksittäinen pieni teko, miten yksilö voisi korjata tätä tilannetta omalta osaltaan, on etsiä sun lähistöllä pyytävä kalastaja ja hankkia kalaa häneltä suoraan ja hyödyntää ruoanlaitossa myös mahdollisimman monipuolisesti niitä lahnoja, säyneitä, särkiä ja kuoreita ja muita nykyajassa vähän tuntemattomampia kalalajeja. Ja suoramyyntikanavia on tänä päivänä aika hyvin tarjolla, mutta jos sun kotiseudulla ei semmoisia löydy, niin kokoontukaa yhteen samanhenkisten ihmisten kanssa ja miettikää, että miten lähikalan ja laajemmin lähiruuan jakeluun alueella edistää. I think this is just lovely. Thank you so much. I think, uh, wow. And that key message was for people who speak Finnish and understand Finnish. Uh, but the translation, like what it translates to is what I'm going to talk about next. Uh, so what Nora was essentially talking about is that uh, while Finnish culture and livelihoods um, have come from these non-destructive ways of coexisting, cohabiting um, with nature, Uh, people's appreciation, that is our appreciation toward the work uh, that is done by the local fishermen and women, as well as fish species in general has gone down because we don't really see the whole fish anymore. We're not closer to the supply chain. We just see them as packets, uh, as fillets in the supermarket. And this is kind of threatening. Um, And it's also making us removed from the food chain, right? So from the entire supply chain and also reducing that stewardship, uh, the possibility of stewardship. So this is threatening and already affecting us um, in terms of nature-based livelihoods, in terms of cultural heritage, in terms of our traditional knowledge. And um, it underscores this whole um, debate about food security. Because if you're away from the supply chain, you really don't uh, know your food from where your food is coming from, from where your food is coming from and how is your food um, landing on your table. So in addition to this, there's also this whole thing of um, eutrophication of waters. Um, So what she's suggesting is um, as an individual or as a community, what we can do to improve the situation is to contact, um, you know, figure out where are the local fishermen and women and get your fresh harvest from them. Uh, Try to get closer to the supply chain, familiarize yourself with 
what a fish really looks like today, not a fillet, and uh, cook this from a diverse set of fish species. For example, uh, she had mentioned something about these um, trash fish that people now uh, find it, you know, people call them as trash fish, like roach, uh, roach, bream, these are called as uh, trash fish. So maybe see them in a different light, prepare them differently, um, go to direct sales channels uh, for local produce like the ones she mentioned, right? There was uh, Ecompi, Recco, and um, Oma Pistefi, Oma Pel Peltofi. Uh, so these local produce where you could get them. Or if you could do one thing is um, collectively maybe gather like-minded people and um, in addition to buying from these areas, right, Reco and uh, ecompy.net, maybe gather like-minded people and look at the supply chain and try to figure out how can we support the local communities, the local fishermen and women, and support the sale of the local Finnish fish in our local communities. So that's essentially her message, and you will probably be hearing my dog in the background. Sorry about that. <laughs> and I think I will wrap it up because that's about it for the key message. But if you want to engage and support the local communities, I will put in a couple of links in the show notes. Um, you can definitely contact me for anything related to um, volunteering with Snow Change Cooperative. And I will leave you with that. This is Letty saying, as the Finns say, moi moi. Thank you for listening to this episode of Arctic Howls. The intro and outro music is by Cooper Moore, courtesy of Free Music Archive.